Good morning, Lighthouse Baptist Church. Good morning. Good to see all of you on this Father's Day. Let's open with a word of prayer. God, thank you for a day when we all take time to celebrate our fathers. God, uh, for all the hard work they do for us, all that they teach us. Um, at the end of the day, our fathers have the job of pointing us to our ultimate father, which is you, God. So thank you, God, for the fathers that do that. And God, I pray that we would learn more about you today and we'll grow closer to you today. God, please speak through me, point to Jesus, God, and please work through your Holy Spirit to guide us in a deeper and better understanding of Scripture, and most importantly, Jesus. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so our series that we're in is Acts. And it's titled, Belonging to the Way. Because because Christians, before they were called Christians, they were simply known as those who were belonging to the way. So when we look at Acts, the book of Acts, we get a better idea, a better picture of what it looks like to belong to the way of Jesus. So in our passage that we're looking at today, last week we talked about when people belong to the way of Jesus, they can be filled with the Holy Spirit. But today we're looking at how people who belong to the way of Jesus can be bold in the name of Jesus. So we're about to look at our passage. It's Acts chapter 4, verses 1 through 22. But in order to understand what we're reading in that passage, we have to understand kind of the background story to this. So in Acts chapter 3, Peter and John meet a man who is crippled. And he's begging at the gate of the temple for money, for charity. But Peter says, I do not have money to give you, but what I do have I will give you. So in the name of Jesus, walk. And then the man's ankles were strengthened. He was able to stand up and walk. And so that explains what's going on in our passage, starting in verse 1, after Peter and John try to explain what's going on, the message of Jesus to these people. In verse 1 of chapter 4, it says, And as they were speaking to the people, the priest and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. On the next day, the rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name 
of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people. For all were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. Now, I don't know if you ever watch videos on YouTube. One of the most popular series of videos that you could watch on YouTube is a series of talks called TED Talks. A lot of times these talks are given to help people understand life better. Maybe they're given to help people have a way to approach life in a better way. Well, one former soccer coach was giving a talk on self-confidence. His name was Dr. Ivan Joseph, and he said, a lot of people's parents want their kids to come to my school, you know, because we've won national championships in soccer. So they come up to me and say, hey, coach, um, what are you looking for? And a soccer player, Dr. Joseph would say, well, that depends on what they bring to the table. What exactly does your kid bring to our team? Well, my kid has great vision. They see the field super well. Oh, well, my kid is great at passing the ball. Oh, yeah, my kid is super fast. He has great agility. And Dr. Joseph said, okay. That's good, but that's not what I'm looking for. What I'm looking for in a player on my team is self-confidence. Because things are going to get hard on the field. And it doesn't matter how skilled this player is, if they don't believe in themselves, if they don't believe that they can do the impossible, if they quit as soon as things get hard, well then, I don't want them on my team. Dr. Joseph said, self-confidence is the number one quality that I look for in players. And just like all the other skills that can be developed, that can be developed too. But he defined confidence as believing that you could achieve what you set out to do. 
But when we look at the book of Acts, what do we find? We find confidence, but it's specifically placed in what God is able to do. In other words, it's God confidence. God confidence is plastered all over the book of Acts. And at the end of the day, when we talk about boldness, what is boldness? It's courage. It's confidence. It's belief. It's daring, even in the face of impossible odds. And yet, that is how the book of Acts describes people who belong to the way. And as people who belong to the way, as believers, we can know that we can be bold just as they were, just as Peter and John were in this passage. But why can we be bold? Why can we have this confidence? Well, the first reason that we can have this confidence is because we have authority in the name of Jesus. Now, that sounds a little bit strange. What does it mean to have authority? What does it mean to have authority in the name of Jesus? Well, what question did this council ask Peter and John? They said, in what power, in what name are you doing these things? Now, we might say, oh, well, that's just an arrogant question for them to ask. But as believers, if we are going to speak for Jesus, work for Jesus, act for Jesus, point to Jesus, well, that actually is a good question for us, too. When we go out into the world pointing to Jesus, we should ask ourselves, in what power am I doing this? In what name am I doing this? And when we ask that question, we can have the same response that Peter and John had. What did Peter say? He said, in the name of Jesus, we heal this man. It says that Peter was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. We see the power. We see the name. And we know that what? They had authority to do what they did. Now the council thinks they're the authority. We're the leaders. We're in control of all the people. But really, no. They're only there because they're supposed to point to God. And the only ones who are actually doing that are Peter and John. But Peter and John actually have authority from Jesus to be there. Now, it sounds weird to say, I have authority from Jesus to be here. I remember when I first started preaching, I would get kind of nervous, walking up to the stage, feel a little, little bit of butterflies. Do I even deserve to be here? Should I be here? Am I doing what I'm called to do, what I'm supposed to do? Of course I was not confident. Of course I was not bold because I was questioning, do I have the authority to be here? Once I realized I have authority to speak in the name of Jesus, of course then I started to grow in boldness. Of course then I started to grow in confidence. Because even if you're not preaching a sermon, as long as you're pointing to Jesus, you have the authority from Jesus to do that. Now, if you, if you talk to somebody about Jesus, if you spoke about Jesus, and you said, Jesus, am I doing the right thing? What do you think Jesus would say? He would say, yes, you are doing the right thing. This is what I sent you out to do. You know, we talked last week about our mission statement, our vision for the church to fulfill the Great Commission. Now, what did Jesus say in the Great Commission? He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So, go and make disciples. Baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy 
Spirit, teach people to obey all that I have commanded, and surely I am with you, even to the very end of the age. What was Jesus saying? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, and I give you authority to point people to me. What does that mean for us? It means you don't have to apologize for pointing to Jesus. You don't have to apologize for standing up and speaking in the name of Jesus. If you're speaking about Jesus, if you're pointing to Jesus, you have authority to be there and you have authority to do that. And you don't have to be scared because you're exactly where God sent you out to be. So we can be bold for that reason. We can be bold because we have authority in the name of Jesus. But why else can we be bold? Well, we see it in this passage. We can be bold because we know Jesus. We can be bold because we have been with Jesus. What does it say in verse 13? It says they were amazed by them. They recognized that they were uneducated men. Now, what this means is that they were not trained specially in the scriptures. But they recognized that they were people that weren't specially trained in the scriptures, but they also recognized that they had been with Jesus. Now, here's the interesting thing. The council, basically the council is full of people who are the religious leaders. They have had special education. And what are they relying on? They're... they're trying to intimidate Peter and John by what? Their education. I'm smarter than you. I know more than you. You do not know more about God than I do. They're relying on their education. And education is not bad, but Peter and John were relying on their education and something else. They were relying on their time spent with God. I love the way that N.T. Wright explains this. He talks about a classroom who was studying geography. They were learning about Australia. And the teacher said, okay, kids, tell me, what do Australians do? Uh, Australians, they go swimming. Okay, yeah, but what do they, what do, they do for a living? Uh, they eat barbecue. Uh, okay. What do they do to buy the meat for the barbecue? What do they do to earn money? Well, one little girl raised her hand in the back of the class. She said, well, you know, once upon a time, there were farmers, and everybody farmed for their food. But now there are big cities in Australia, and people have moved out there. And so, yeah, some people farm, but you know, other people have different trades that they work on, and the further inland you go, you'll find more farmers. And everybody was pretty amazed with this little girl. Everybody turned back towards her. Well, how did she know that? And the teacher said, how do you know that? Did, have you been reading ahead of the class? And slightly embarrassed, red face, she said, no, it's just that we used to live there. We used to live in Australia. My daddy was a cattle farmer and he had several thousand cows. Do you see why she knew so much about Australia? Yeah, she could read about it in books. And yeah, we can read about Jesus in books. But here's the thing. 
just as Peter and John lived with Jesus, we too can live with Jesus. We can know Jesus. In other words, if we go about speaking about Jesus just like he's a history subject that we have to get a good test grade on, of course we're not going to be confident if we're just only concentrated on facts. But if this is a lived experience for you, if you've been with Jesus, if you've spent time with Jesus, if you've prayed to him, went to him, cried out to him, yelled with him, lived with him, all the ranges of emotions you've experienced with Jesus and he's experienced them with you, well, if you've done that, you're like Peter and John, who spent three years with Jesus, who had the greatest education of all by walking around, living, sleeping, eating, doing everything with God in the flesh. No wonder they were so bold. No wonder they were so confident. Jesus said, you're going to stand in front of councils. Well, they knew they were going to have to face hard times like they're facing right now because Jesus told them they had spent time with Jesus. And when you spend time with Jesus, when you know Jesus, then of course you can be confident speaking about Jesus. Of course you can be bold speaking in Jesus' name because this is not just something you've only read about. This is a lived experience. This is personal for you. And when it's personal for you, you can make it personal for other people as well. So, we have authority from Jesus. We've been with Jesus. But what else? Why else do we have boldness? Well, we serve Jesus. We know who we serve. Now, it's interesting. When they send Peter and John out of the council, get out of this room. We've got to figure out a plan about what to do with you guys. They say, what are we going to do? We can't deny that they've actually killed someone in Jesus' name. And if we do anything horrible to them, punish them, well, the people are going to be upset. So just tell them to stop doing that. Stop preaching in that name. Now, it's interesting. Who are they serving when they do this? It's pretty obvious they're serving themselves. Oh, uh, stop getting on our teaching territory. This is where we teach. Hey, stop healing these people. This is our territory. All they're concerned with, it seems, even though they are the religious leaders, even though they are in charge of the temple, they're concerned only with their reputation. But they are so different than Peter and John because Peter and John are only concerned with God's reputation. In other words, the council served their reputation and Peter and John served Jesus. And they knew that they served Jesus. And when they told them, do not preach in that name anymore, they said what? They said, well, judge for yourselves if it is right in the eyes of God to obey you rather than God. But as for us, we cannot stop speaking about what we have heard. In other words, we know who we serve. It sounds like you don't exactly know who you serve. But we serve Jesus. And because of that, that means his reputation is greater than our perceived reputation. I remember when I was in middle school, I was about 13 years old, I started reading the Bible for the first time. 
and I fell in love with it. This is so interesting. I always took books to read at lunch whenever I finished eating or after a test. If I finished the test early, I could read. And I started bringing my Bible to school because I wanted to read it. But I realized I was starting to get some unwanted negative attention for it. People would look at me weird. People would say, hey, you know this isn't Sunday school, right? This is just regular school. And so I thought, I just, I'm tired of getting laughed at for talking about God, for reading about God. So I'm just going to leave my Bible at home. So I left my Bible at home. Okay, I've got my reputation back. I can go to school unnoticed, get my work done, pass, go home, have fun. Now, 13-year-old Cody would not have told you I was concerned more with my reputation than Jesus' reputation. But what happened as I got older, as Jesus became more real for me, as I learned about him, as I spent time with him, as I realized who Jesus is and what he has done for me, then I realized my reputation is not that big of a deal. What really is a big deal, what the world is dying to know, is not Cody. The world is dying to know Jesus. And if the world is dying to know Jesus, then I can lose my reputation in order for his reputation to grow and be greater. And so if you are only concerned about your reputation, you will not speak boldly in Jesus' name. You will not be confident speaking about Jesus. But if Jesus' reputation is more important to you than your own reputation, if Jesus' reputation is your reputation, then you will grow in confidence. And that's what I found myself doing, taking my Bible to school, talking to people about my faith. That doesn't mean I was never nervous or scared, but I was bold in Jesus. I was bold in what he was doing and what he could do. Paul talks about this too. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, what does he say? He says, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I live in the flesh, I now live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Did Paul say, I live by faith in the Son of God who just told me to go out into the world and good luck? No, he said, the Son of God who loved me and gave himself to me. What is Paul saying? He's saying, I'm not doing anything for God that God hasn't already done for me. In other words, I can face anything for God because God faced the cross for me. I can be bold in Jesus' name because Jesus was bold in my name. We can go out into these horrific moments and find out that they're not as horrific as we thought because Jesus is with us and he's already faced the worst thing that could ever be faced. All he calls us to do is to speak about him, to point to him. He's not calling us to die on the cross. No, he's calling us to point to the one who did that, and that was him. All we're doing is pointing to Jesus. 
if this becomes about you and how great of a speaker you are and how impressive you are and how skilled you are, you will lose confidence. You will give up when things get hard. But if this is about how good God is, what God is doing, and simply joining in on the story and saying, this is the best part of my life. I want you to know about it and experience it with me and share it with me. We can be bold in that. We can be confident in that. We can be courageous in that because that boldness is not based on how good we are. That boldness is based on how good God is. And unless you know how good God is, you won't have your heart moved to tell others how good he is. Unless you know that Jesus went to the cross for you. Unless you know that Jesus went to the cross for the person sitting next to you, at your job, at your school, on the street with you, in the car with you, unless you know that, then your heart won't be moved to speak to Jesus and stir their heart. But we can be bold for Jesus because he was bold for you. We can face anything for him because he faced the cross for us. And when you stand before councils, when you stand before friends, when you stand before enemies, and you're called on to speak for Jesus, you too can speak boldly. Because when they ask you, what power do you speak in? What name do you speak in? You don't have to say your own name. You can say, I speak in Jesus' name. And when you speak in the name of Jesus by the power of his Holy Spirit, you can be bold in his name. Let's pray. God, we do not feel adequate to do what you call us to do. But God, you don't call the qualified. You qualify the unqualified. You call people like Moses who cannot speak well. God, who, when Moses said, I cannot speak, you said, oh, well, I guess I'll find someone who speaks. No, you said, who has made man's mouth, God? You made our mouth. You give us your spirit. And God, we're depending on that. Just as the believers, after this passage, prayed for boldness, and they said, God, make us bold. You go out and do all the great works. That's our prayer today, God. God, give us boldness. Give us confidence. Not in our skills, not in ourselves, but in you. We know that we can do all things not by ourselves, but we can do all things through him who gives us strength, God. And you give us boldness and confidence because we have the authority to speak in your name. And that is not something we take lightly, but that's something we rejoice in. Because we were not sent out to just give bad news. We were sent out to give the best news, God. Thank you for that good news. And thank you for going with us as we share it. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.